Hi everyone, this is Joyce. Welcome to Ancient Powerhouse. So I'm Joyce Young. I'm a photographer, film producer, and podcaster. Co-hosting with me is Nicole Yap, founder of Ancient, beautiful NFT collection with the artwork by Mr. Hike, celebrating diversity and female empowerment while focusing on building community. And uh, today we welcome a very special guest, David Choi. He's an independent singer, songwriter, producer, and entrepreneur. So before we talk to David, I'm going to pass the mic to Nicole. Yeah, hi. Thanks, Joyce. So um, hello, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. It's so amazing to have you here, David. I'm Nicole, Asian mom, founder of Asian. So we are an NFT project with a supply of 8,888 on the Ethereum network. Asian launched on December 2021 and was top 15 trending projects on OpenSea for seven days. I started Asian with the, with the aim to create a global and inclusive community to bring people together who share admiration for the Asian cultures. So my goal is to represent, to educate, and to build a lasting presence in the NFT space. So yeah, I'll have Joyce to start the room. Awesome, thanks. So first off, very excited to talk to you, David. Thanks for joining us. It'd be great if you could just give us a quick background about what you do now uh, for those who are just kind of joining the space and um, and uh, getting to know you as well. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah, so what I do these days, I guess a quick background. I started with music and was an early YouTuber started back in 2006 you know built a career in the music industry and traveled around the world playing music for a living and i released five albums and a bunch of singles and then after that i dove into the entrepreneurial space in the tech space in particular and that sort of led to me working on a lot of different products and then here i am now uh, working on a few projects and yeah, I've always kind of been a builder and a creator, you know, really curious person in general. And I, I just love learning new things and figuring out how the world works. So yeah, so that's my quick little background. Awesome. Thank you. So before we get into your recent uh, projects, uh, maybe you can give us a bit more information about how you started your music career. I mean, you kind of mentioned in 2006, you got into it. Uh, but was that something you're always uh, interested in? Yeah, so I actually started when I was uh, 16, but I grew up in a musical family. My dad is a musician and my mom is more on the visual creative side. And so I started by playing violin and piano, just like every other Korean American kid. I really hated it. You know, I, I remember I would even fake practicing back back when I was growing up. It was, we had cassette tapes and I would lock the door and I would record myself practicing for like 20 minutes and then I would play it back on the speakers. <laughs> So it sounded like I was practicing. That's how much I hated music, actually, or, or practicing, I, I would say. Uh, and then when I turned 16, I discovered songwriting. And songwriting was an amazing, mind-blowing concept for me because I realized that you can actually create something that's of your own instead of having to practice music that was created by someone else. And that creation process somehow just really clicked with me. That became an obsession. And I started diving really deep into music production and songwriting and you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? And a lot of it, I, I, I learned it on the internet, actually. There's so much more information now than there was when I started. But, you know, I just was really determined to to turn this into a career. And and that's kind of how I got started. And, and then when I was 16, that's when I discovered the songwriting process. I decided, you know, that I, I wanted to do this because it was something that I was just, like I said, I was hooked on. Uh, it was like a drug and, and I didn't stop. 
That's amazing, especially you know, hearing that you you know at first didn't really enjoy it. I mean, it is more the process, but still kind of hindered a little bit, right? Your your excitement about music to kind of then discover it in a different way. So that's quite an amazing story. Kind of really flipped it on its head. Were your parents surprised, or they kind of like, oh, I knew you're gonna be in this industry, I and mean, given that they're in that industry, in the music industry. I think my parents running a music store, you know, and I had different instruments at my disposal. Like I, I didn't realize what I had in the, in that particular environment, and and so I think for them. They weren't opposed to it, but they also weren't excited about it because I think they probably remember me as a kid telling them that I'm going to become a doctor and a lawyer at the same time and go to Harvard. And I didn't do any of that, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I think they were just kind of watching me, and, and they weren't either. I wish I wish they were actually in some way. Like it was good that they didn't support either because I had to prove it to them. I think that might have also been one factor in, in motivating to succeed. Uh, just to prove it, it was kind of like that chip that I had on my shoulder. Like I can do it. Let me show you. I can turn this into something successful, and this is something that I love. And so I think those two things combined, working hard on something that you're passionate about, you will inevitably make it in some way, shape, or form. To well, get. Yeah. don't you don't you feel that that is kind of like a really typical Asian parents thing? You know, because like for me as well, in 2019, when I wanted to open my bubble tea store, because I saw that there was an opportunity to open a bubble tea store in my local area because there weren't any and my parents were like oh it's not gonna work and I was like what it's like why why would you say that it's like he's like you didn't even do your research you know so they literally say that oh it's not gonna work um you're gonna waste your money and stuff like that and a part of me other than really starting it because I do love bubble tea it, it was to kind of prove my family that they were wrong and that was basically kind of like the motivation that I am capable to do something and I do notice that a lot of us like our parents are similar like like that I don't know about about Joyce so yeah that is that is just what I what that we were quite relatable true absolutely i mean definitely it motivates you right like having someone kind of you know not sure whether you can do it or saying that well nobody else has done it why don't you just follow a regular path i mean i think that is fairly typical in a way especially when when i was growing up as well so it's good that you turned that into a motivation and what fuel you to continue to to prove them wrong i mean for me i changed I guess I stuck with a corporate career for a while and then I changed career to be a photographer. So it, it was kind of a different way of saying, okay, and now I'm finally, I did, I proved that I can do the regular path. And so now I want to kind of break out and do something else. So for sure. And I think it's the same. They're supportive. I mean, they're kind of like quietly supportive, but not an outwardly supportive. So you have to kind of do a lot of things to prove your case. So that that is definitely the situation as well. Yeah. So David, I do want to ask you actually, what is your biggest break? So obviously you did a lot of hard work and you, you know, grinded. And when did you feel was your biggest break into the music industry? When I look back on things, uh, when you're in it, 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 it's really hard to see the story. But when I look back on it, I think the big break for me was first one, was very early on when I was 18 years old. I was a senior in high school and I entered some contests with my music. That was a big break for me because I won those two contests. I want to I actually started with electronic music back in the day <laughs> and before I started with like the stuff, but I won a remixing contest. It was a David Bowie remix mashup contest and I actually won a car. I won an Audi uh, at the time, Audi TT. And I decided to take the, the cash instead. And so they gave me $30,000. I took the $30,000 and I bought a bunch of music equipment. At the time, I was living with my parents. So I bought all the necessary music equipment that I needed. And some of the equipment I still have today and I still use it. I invested that money. And I would say that was my first initial break. You know, after that kind of was like a, I went into one of the valleys of life where it was really difficult, was having a hard time. And the second big break was when I got signed to a publishing company, Warner Chapel Music. And that's when I actually uh, became... I guess, quote unquote, a professional singer song, uh, 
songwriter producer where I was able to write music for up and coming artists, basically at the publishing company, write songs for other artists. That was uh, another big experience for me and a big milestone. And, you know, that also came with the ups and downs. But as long as you keep working, uh, like these opportunities do come. It's hard to time it. It's hard to force these opportunities to, to happen. At least that's what I've, at least in my life. It's just you just keep going you, day by day. You just keep going. You're either going to get burnt out and leave and do something else completely different, or you're just going to keep going and get through, you know, all the difficult times. And the advice here is to not think of it as a grind, but more so I'm enjoying the process and really thinking about the small wins, celebrating the small wins, and eventually those big wins and those big opportunities do come. So true, for sure. Definitely enjoy the small wins. And you need those small steps, right? And small goals to get to that big goal. So you do want to have that and say, hey, I, I, you know, this is successful. Let's go to the next thing and not be down all the time, I guess. Because yeah, being in the creative field or being in a different kind of field uh, in general is, is very um, difficult. And if no one else has forge that before you, then you just kind of have to figure out your way, right? So as you said, there's a lot of ups and downs, you got to get through it and figure it out yourself. And I mean, I think a lot of it's also choices, right? And, and kind of what, how do you problem solve through it? Because I mean, I was going to say, you know, when you're 18, your first big break, I mean, that takes a lot of maturity to decide at that point to take the money yeah, and exactly. invest it, right? Wait, yeah. at that time, when when you decided to not take an Audi TT car, because I'm pretty sure back then it was like a really yeah. popular car, did your friends like laugh at you? They'll be like, why did you not take the car? It's such a cool car. Um, I mean, for me, I, I don't think a lot of my friends knew about it. I didn't have like a lot of friends, just had like a few, but I already had a car at the time. I was driving a, a Honda, Honda Civic, and I knew I needed the equipment. I cared more about the equipment than I cared about my social status. I was obsessed. I really wanted this so badly to succeed and, and make a career in music. I was desperate, like I said, when I first started. I knew that that was a decision I had to make. After I got the money, I think for the next like five years, anytime I would see an Audi TT, I would just be like, oh, that could have been my car. I think like right now, maybe each time you look at it, it kind of it kind of brings you back to, you know, when you were 18. That's actually really sure. amazing though. I feel that not everyone at 18 would do the same, would make the same decision. Well, I mean, Nicole, you you started uh, investing very young as well. I mean, you, you got into Bitcoin very early before, the, you know, the NFT got really popular. Um, maybe you can explain a bit about your decision to do that too. I invested in Bitcoin when I was 16. Back then, I didn't really know much about it, about Bitcoin. When the price went up, I actually cashed out. I took all my Bitcoins out to buy a Chanel bag. And that was kind of the starting point, uh, like for me to jump onto the space and to just invest and to kind of learn more about the markets and stuff like that. A lot of the times, like people tell me that I was just lucky, which I was, because I just stumbled across an article and I bought in. But yeah, I've actually learned a lot of things, you know, about how money works, how the market works, how the financial institution and industry works and stuff like that. It's also just to take each process as learning, right? I mean, whether it's up or down, you, you take that and learn and then continue to move towards your goal and pivot that way. And speaking of the ups and downs, um, David, I also want to understand what gets challenges um, and how did you overcome that? Because it sounds like, yeah, between, you know, the two big break and the, also a lot of stories and challenges. So if there's any one or two particular ones that you can highlight. I mean, there are a lot of difficult moments. Even I mentioned the first two milestones, the third one would would be starting on YouTube very early on and, and you know, that taking off. But each, I would say, sort of milestone in life came with its ups and downs, a lot of downs. You know, like you said, in the creative industry, it's very difficult and volatile. So I would say that uh, in terms of some of the most difficult moments in my history, I would say uh, my internship, that was really difficult. I was a very introverted kid growing up. I had, like I mentioned, just like a couple friends. Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest hurdles for me was, was how do I 
if I want to be successful in music and get my songs out there. And I didn't want to be an artist at the time, by the way. I just wanted to do music, whatever that meant to me <laughs> at the time. I don't even know what that meant to me. But I just wanted to do music full time and get paid for it because I wanted to do what I loved. The internship was difficult because they didn't really treat me well. I mean, if I look back on it right now, like they were kind of racist to me. They were racist to me. I did a lot of things that weren't music related. I made wallpaper. I painted furniture for them. And this was a recording studio. I picked up their kids from school. Uh, I went and made coffee. I bought them coffee. I And I drove an hour. It was hour one way to the studio and an hour back. And so I would get there in the morning and I'd leave really late at night. And I'd do that every day or Monday through Saturday for a couple of years. And so that was really difficult. I wasn't getting paid once you know once in a while they'd buy me lunch but that was a really really difficult time period for me and i was miserable and and that's kind of what led to me having that opportunity to, to sign to Warner Chapel Music. That was a difficult moment. Um, I would say another one. When I was on YouTube, uh, I think this is something that every YouTuber, every creator goes through, you know, negative comments. At the time, uh, it wasn't a normal thing. You know, you, you got to imagine like some, like a brand new space and it's filled with really opinionated and toxic people. There, there hasn't been that much that has changed since then because everyone still goes through that. But that's just something that I think affects all creators mentally. Some of the, you know, it either builds you up and, and, and creates thicker walls around yourself uh, just as a defensive mechanism or it can break you down and destroy you it's, and that also happens to people and for me I, I, I took that as a learning experience and i think those are a couple i guess stories of just some of the difficulties also being uh, sorry one more thing being a minority you know in america right i i always felt like a minority but i also use that to my advantage you know there were a lot of shows and that I, I got booked for because i was asian american like for example there's college clubs all across the united states that you know, focus on just celebrating Asian Americans and, and their culture. So like you would find organizations like CASA, the K Korean American Student Association. There's like the Chinese Student Association. There's there's like hundreds of these organizations. And that was a great opportunity for me because I was able to get booked for a lot of these shows. And, and I was able to continue to, to, I was able to make a living doing all of this. And so those are great opportunities. But then you also get all the racist stuff too, right? I mean, I got, I had that my entire life and I still get it once in a while. You know, I'd walk down the street and then they'd be like, oh, you know, Asian, go back to where you came from. Doesn't really bother me as much these days, but I had my fair share of that growing up. And I, I grew up without having a lot of uh, Asian Americans around me. So so that was something I had to deal with as well. Um, all of these are, like I said, they just make you stronger. I think it's really about reframing what that means to you. I can take it personally and I can be like, okay, I want to kill everybody who says that to me or treats me that way. Or I can just say, okay, they're just not educated or they're just hateful people. And it, it you know, you try not to make it, you know, ruin your day. But sometimes it does. We're all human. So, so those are Absolutely. some of the things I've dealt with. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Lots of difficult moments. I mean, that internship definitely sounds very awful. Can't, can't believe you can uh, stick with it for a few years. But, uh, but you know, as you said, I take that as an opportunity, as a goal in mind, right? So you, you keep at it till you can uh, get through to the next one. So definitely applaud for being able to get through a lot of these annoying situations. And in most cases where people will just walk away and do something else. But yeah, but you stuck to it because you had that particular goal in mind that you wanted to, to succeed in this field. That's amazing. I mean, any, any advice in terms of how people can kind of just turn off that, you know, I mean, as you said, a lot of people do, especially minority in America, unfortunately, still gets a lot of the unwanted attention in that sense, you know, get called out or comments. And uh, even though you, you know, born, raised, could be born, raised in the US, right, still get those comments. How do you not get too affected by it? That's a good question. I think, how do you not get affected by racist comments? I, for me, I've always put an emphasis on self-help 
learning about myself, learning about the world around me, about different personalities. And when you peel back all the layers, people are very complex, but yet very simple as well. All of our experiences growing up, you know, shapes us into who we are. These are all kind of like basic things, cliche statements, but it's really understanding myself and what triggers me. I recommend therapy for everybody. I know it's a stigma in, in some countries, but it's actually really important because there are people who can unpeel who you are and, and get to the really the deep core and you deal with it. And then you get be, you become better from that and you become sort of like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know I do this thing because when this happens, right? I think it starts there. It starts with working on yourself and, you know, your mental health and, and more of your psychology, I think. that's I think that's extremely important depending on how you approach it. I think it could sometimes be a Band-Aid solution as opposed to really working on the, the root cause of why you are and how you behave and how you process things. And so it's really about finding that and then fixing that. And I know it's scary for a lot of people, but I think that's an important thing to do for, for yourself to understand and to fix some of those things, or at least to acknowledge some of them, if they're if they're unfixable, is to acknowledge it and to redefine what that means to you. So, I mean, this didn't happen to me, but I know with some people, if they have certain traumas when they're they were really young, right? Maybe they were abused. Those are things you cannot change. You can't change what happened, but what you can do is sort of like redefine what that means. Like, I mean, I'm not a professional, by the way, but I've seen things where people say instead of holding this grudge against a person who hurt you when you were maybe a kid, you can redefine it by saying like, you know, this was something that made me a better person and it helped me grow. This is something that I'm going to overcome. It's something that I can kind of carry with me, but also let go and use it to propel me into a, a place where I can just share more love with other people. Something like that, right? Like there are a lot of different approaches, but at the end of the day, it's really about sure. working on the core. Thanks for sharing that. And yeah, definitely important to focus on yourself, right? And see what, what's important to you or what triggers you and then kind of work around that. So switching gears a little bit, I mean, you've then had a very successful music career, still have a very successful career, and you ventured into more of the tech uh, tech side. So maybe you can explain a little bit about how you started Content Creators Inc. and uh, maybe other ventures as well. Yeah, so we started Content Creators Inc. right before COVID hit really hard. So we raised capital in March of 2020, actually, and we wanted to build uh, a social network, actually. It's called Taco. We, we actually shut it down in January of this year. But the goal was to help creators make more money. I was someone who didn't really enjoy doing brand deals that often. I wanted to just get paid for my content so I can keep keep making more content. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out. Not enough people joined. Uh, we had a lot of people and we've paid out a good amount of money to, to creators based off of their watch time. So we had like an interesting thing where instead of you having to sell something, you would just make content and, and based off of the watch time that you received, you'd get compensated for that. That's what we tried to build. And then in January, yeah, we shut it down. We failed. It was another failure on my list of failures and we just decided to pivot um, and change directions and try to few other products that also failed. And so I'm just a big old wob of failure at this point. But you know, I, No, but I, you're learning from it. You're learning I've, from it, right? I've learned from it. And I think what I realized was most people, and including myself, you know, you'd feel really bad. I did feel bad. I, I felt like a failure. And that's like the worst thing you can feel as a human being. You let down your team. You let down the people that you convinced to give you money, right? Your investors. You let down yourself. You let down a lot of other people. Of course, it's all about timing. Of course, it's about execution, all those things. And there are always, there's always room for improvement and, you know, things I could have done better as a leader of this company. But I also, once again, like I mentioned before, redefining what things mean to you. And for me, these failures are, are things that you learn from and you get better. It actually will help the next endeavor that you, I think you just get closer every time you just keep trying things. I've learned so much through these failures. 
about different industries and I'm able to take that with me for the rest of my life. So, so yeah, anyways, at the core content creators, sorry, Taco was the app content creators Inc is the name of our company. Still, it's still alive. And right now we're actually working on trying another thing where we're working with the Chinese company and they help TikTokers continue to do what they love to do. And so I, I really liked what their vision was. Uh, and we're kind of working with them right now to work with TikTokers and give them a way to, to have a sustainable career. So that's something that we're working on right now uh, with, with our company. Awesome. Thank you. No, that's great to hear. I mean, we, we only hear about, I guess, success stories, right? Even from successful leaders. I mean, they you know barely talk about kind of the in-between projects. Um, and so it's great to hear that, that, that you know, you, you work through a lot of challenges there and now kind of pivoting. Um, and that's what you want to hear because it's kind of like, how do you adapt to the times? So it worked out years ago. I mean, it sounds very interesting. I'm a creator and exactly, I don't want to deal with a lot of other stuff. I just want to create, put my photos up maybe and, and you know, maybe do some films and, and you know, things like that. So I think the demand is there. It's just maybe how, how do you kind of then reach out to different creators, a different way to do it. You know, keep an eye on it uh, in terms of your next next uh, version of Taco. So uh, looking forward to that. And you, you're also getting into Webby um, and you have Happy Voices NFT. Maybe you can explain a little bit about your journey. I mean, in general, how did you kind of then pivot from music to tech to Web3 uh, NFT space? So NFT space, um, I got into it because I was on my Twitter feed and I saw that uh, uh, DK Motion, he's an amazing artist, he was tweeting about one of his NFTs. And I went into it and I was like, oh, these are really cool, like super cute. And I love how it kind of like represents different moments in pop culture yeah i dove deeper into it and i was like oh what is this what is this oh what's a wallet oh what's what's what are nfts what's web3 right and my journey actually started even before that i actually received big, a little bit of bitcoin like years ago i think it might have been like 2016 or 17 and i did this like show and they gave me a little bit of bitcoin yeah i didn't really know what it was i, I totally forgot about it luckily i didn't forget my my keys fast forward again i dove into because dk and i saw it as an opportunity for creatives to have another fun way of getting their communities involved in a completely different way and to sell something that's not just something that is you know transferred per se but something that shows the history of the transfer so the blockchain to me was very, very interesting, almost even more so than the community side. That's something that I learned about later. I already kind of experienced community building through YouTube. Uh, but for me, the technology was, I, I know we're talking about NFTs here, but I found it to be even more valuable for currencies like Bitcoin and understanding why it's important. For me, it was important. The blockchain tied to money is extremely important to me personally because I know how our current government system works and the ability to print money and to manipulate the money which creates corruption and imbalances the economy and the world that's what our money does right now it's 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 you can print it if you're a government entity you can print it and there's no true accountability there and so for me uh, Bitcoin was a way for, for us to prevent I mean there will be corruption in, in, in many different ways but the money itself is not corruptible because uh, it's on a ledger, public ledger. So anyways, without getting too deep into that, as far as NFTs are concerned, I really liked that part of the NFTs, the more technical side of things. Cool. That's super interesting um, to see how, you know, different people get into uh, the space or uh, first get attracted to it, but then find a lot of other information and like, just how many, amazing the tech is. I'm still, you know, I just got into it in February this year and I'm still finding out so much and every day is so much learning. It's up and down. And, you know, the last two months hasn't, you know, NFT mark has been kind of down, but like I'm seeing the potential. So uh, hanging on in there. But yeah, I mean, I, mean, I would I'd like to hear Nicole as well. I mean, she obviously started eight 
prediction end of Qi uh, back in November 2021 and had, you know, ups and downs as well. And I just want to see how does she, you know, originally decided to do it against probably a lot of people uh, around her, to, you know, trying to advice against uh, doing so. You know, I want to share this story with you guys. So I actually met David through um, Shebe. So Shebe is part of our Asian team. At that time, we were in, I mean, in our early stage of minting. I think at that time, we were still minting, I think it was about January this year. We sold out on the 15th of January. I think we were connected. And at that time, I remember that I was connecting with David and we were just talking about, you know, NFTs. And back then, we were kind of throwing ideas around on like, and kind of discussing about music NFTs and stuff. David wanted to kind of launch his own NFT project. So that was really interesting. And also to go back to the last topic where we were talking about, you know, getting racist comments and stuff. I actually shared that part as well to David because there was this really horrible tweet that, that actually kind of blew up. In, on Twitter, this guy actually screenshot um, something that I wrote on the website, like on the Asian NFT website, um, on the on the official website, and then they were saying that um, things like oh she like she just needs like attention and stuff like that, and was just saying really horrible things. And because this guy kind of have like a blue tick on Twitter, and he kind of have like a large following, my DMs started getting flooded. That kind of broke me in a way because I was building so hard right for for this project, and later on to see those kind of comments that come in, and I mean you know how the internet is like people can be like trolls and really horrible and a few of them they actually stopped me and they and they found like photos of my kids and stuff they started saying like really horrible things about them that was kind of like the breaking point for me so i would say that my first ever like kind of racist encounter was through like twitter and like twitter dms and last time i always thought that now like words are just words like this like they won't they won't get to me right when you're in that position and when they're kind of like talking about you and they kind of like talk bad about your families and stuff like that and, and also especially when you know that you have kind of put like your hard work and people would still talk bad about you not just myself I'm pretty sure a lot of uh, people would actually be affected as well David kind of kind of gave me some advice and, and he said that oh you don't really have to care about them blah 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 they are just noise like you do you and, I mean looking back I actually really appreciate that advice and that was kind of uh, the reason why I just I basically just just block that guy I just like continue to to do what I do I, I just jump on spaces and instead of like ignoring it I actually talked about it and I actually got a, got a lot of support as well and the funny thing everyone else that said like really nasty things um in the comment like they were tagging me right now when you look back at their twitter most of them are actually Asian holders so because I remember like their face their, their handles and stuff like that because this is kind of um, like a small win for me because back then you were saying these horrible things although they have deleted the the tweets but I'll remember it forever so I do think that you know just trying to be nice like although at that time maybe you don't agree on something or you don't like somebody like you don't really have to put it out on the internet this is just what I think you know because at the end of the day you you might just eat your, eat your own words right because like you see all the people that actually kind of hated me they are actually um you know supporting me in a way right now that is just something that I want to put it out there it was it was a really interesting experience you know I feel that at the end of the day no matter what you do people would always judge you so this is why you know you will need to stay focused and really just focus on your own goals just don't let that kind of noise like get to us especially like as entrepreneurs we will always get negative um, comments no matter what we do for David as well like whenever you said that you are like a huge failure to me I do see that there is so many things that you have accomplished as well thank you I appreciate that I, I think with anything that anyone pursues or anything that anyone builds, it's always 
going to be an iteration of whatever you just created until you get enough. It's called product market fit. And once you hit product market fit, you know it and, and you feel it and you won't be able to handle the traffic that comes from that. And so I think with anything, you, you know when something is working or not. And if it's not working, then you just try something new or you change whatever you're working on and you, you know, adjust. That the same concept applies, like I said, to a product or even your life. If you're going in a certain direction in life and it's not quite working out, then you either learn a new skill or you go on YouTube and you figure out why it's not working. There's a million reasons why something could not be working. And so you just either figure that out or just keep trying, right? And eventually you'll land somewhere. And if I look back on my life, that's how my life has always worked out, to be honest. In between every milestone, there's there are many, many failures and many moments of sadness. I, I would say now, after all the things I've experienced, these valleys are no longer kind of like depressing places to be. Frustrating, yes, but depressing, no, because I've seen how my life turned out. And I know that's hard to see looking forward. It's easier to see looking back. And same thing with history, right? Like you either learn from your history or you ignore it or you just dismiss it and forget about all the history that happened. There's so much you can learn from history. So I just want everyone to kind of think about that moving forward in life. As long as you just keep working hard and, and working smart, and the resources are all around you. Like the internet is, is filled with Harvard, quali Stanford, quali Oxford quality lessons. Uh, take advantage of it. Yeah, I totally agree. Absolutely. Like there is so many resources on the internet and mm. it's free. But you can you can learn basically anything and everything on the internet. That's amazing. I love the internet. <laughs> like with the NFT, I mean, go you know, have these talks, but then also YouTube has a lot of information. So I've definitely learned a lot on the internet, on YouTube. I uh, just have to obviously sift through certain content, but it's all out there. So so that's amazing. And thank you, Nicole, for sharing your story as well. That's, that's great to hear that you converted those non-believers or haters even to be an HN holder. And I do want to ask, I mean, you, you kind of touch on obviously the uh, being a minority in America and even in general for different projects around, you know, in, uh, globally, uh, we're seeing more representation, right? More Asian representation. So how how do you, David, and also Nicole, how do you guys feel in terms of being in the forefront, uh, being successful in your field and representing Asians uh, as well? I think it's amazing. You know, like, oh, because I was in NFT NYC last two weeks ago. And when I was there, I felt that I was kind of the minority. I, I really felt that. I think my whole experience when I was in the States really kind of opened my eyes a bit because like I used to live in Melbourne, but in Melbourne, there was, there is a lot of like Asians, there's Asians everywhere. But when I was in events and stuff, I really thought that I was kind of the minority, not only like Asian, female, like being an Asian female as well. Like I was in this like BAYC event, I was there on 8Fest and I went to the after parties as well. I was like connected to like a lot of people and stuff like that. And you know how like sometimes in, in parties, you just like forget me and they started calling me well oh that asian girl like oh yeah the asian girl because i was the only asian girl there <laughs> so i definitely felt that but at the same time i don't feel that it was like a threat i mean i just shared like my stories and stuff like that and at the same time i do find out that there was a lot of other smaller asian groups as well even like an nft project they do um there is this nft project called the golden dao they have like a weekly like every other day hot pot session just for like the Asian community and even if you're not Asian you can definitely join but I, I would say like 99% of, of the event is like a bunch of Asian people and when I was there at the event I, I was so shocked because this is like my first time in New York seeing so many Asian people in the same room you know so that wasn't quite an experience for me. And David do you feel like over the years you feel there's about more yeah Asian representation in your field or you feel more comfortable I guess uh, in, in that sense and leading kind of leading the way uh, Asian representation when I was on YouTube people would call me like YouTube pioneer and, and have sort of these 
labels. And honestly, for in my perspective, I was just early. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time and, and had the skills to be in that position. And so honestly, all I really did, I, I, didn't, I don't feel like I did anything pioneering or led the charge or anything like that. I just did what I, I do. And that's to build and to create and to hopefully try to provide value in this world. So I just wanted to first say that in, in terms of Web3 space, you know, in being a major Asian American, different industries in general, first thing is Asians work hard. It's kind of in our DNA to work hard and to work, right? Education is a big priority in, in I think all Asian cultures. And so education tied with strong work ethic, I think that is a combination for some level of success. I mean, I'm assuming everyone in this Twitter space is Asian, but if you're not, you should always work with an Asian because Asians will get shit done. And, and that's just what Asians do. So it doesn't surprise me that there are Asians that are more and more Asians that are becoming, you know, creators, you know, climbing up the corporate ladder, starting companies. I think in Web3, especially in Asia, a lot of the Web3 DeFi protocols and just different projects that are going on are run by Asians. I think a lot of it actually is uh, run by Asians. It's, it's just that Asians aren't as vocal about it. I'm not surprised, you know, with, with Web3 in general. And I've kind of spoken on this and it's, it's like not, it's a little more of the, the darker side of Web3, but I won't say Web3 because Web3 comp is comprised of a lot of different things. It is a little bit, I, I think it does attract the gambling types of people too, because, you know, it, it's kind of like day trading. That is sort of gambling and Web3 does sort of enable that as well. It also explains why the, <laughs> there could be some Asians because I know Asians also like gambling. So in kind of feeling that sort of adrenaline rush through the unknown, but they also work hard and they're and they're smart. So Web3 is kind of like a great space for, for that to feed into that. Of course, I'm not saying everyone's a gambler or degenerate, but, you know, there's also like that big, like the positive side of everything, the blockchain and community building, yada, yada, yada. That's sort of, I, I could see it, you know, see Asians being a big part of that industry too. Cool. Uh, so just a last question for both of you, uh, both Nicole and David, uh, any uh, last word or just kind of upcoming projects that you can talk about um, and let us know? You know, I really appreciate everyone's time here and for David to come on board. Follow like Asian and we do have a few really exciting partnerships coming up. So there's, there was this clothing brand that I was trying to kind of uh, secure a partnership with and I was working in it for like four months. They finally said yes to the partnership. So it's going to it's gonna happen on the 20th of, of August 2022. So that is something that I'm excited about. I would want to tell you what it is, but we have signed something with them. So they said like, oh, we can't like disclose anything. So that is something really exciting that I'm looking forward to. But this podcast as well, I do think that I want to do it more frequently with Joyce here and to just get more web tree builders in the space to share their story. Yeah, first off, um, thanks for, for hosting. Really appreciate it. You guys did really great. I just, yeah, I guess I want to just leave everyone with whatever you're you're pursuing in life. Just know that it's it's really about, as, as Nicole said, it's about the journey and trying to enjoy it and enjoy the little wins that, that you have because these milestones, they do appear as long as you just keep going. Sometimes it takes a little longer for some people, like myself, it, it takes time, but for others, it happens more quickly and you can, you know, seize those, those opportunities as they come. I thank you guys. And yeah, if you want to just you know, follow me on Twitter, or I usually just make updates on Twitter or, or Instagram. So as far as project, I, oh yeah, I should probably mention some projects I'm working on. I'm working on a thing with the influencer sort of space. I am helping a friend with a launching like a, a, a slipper, uh, kind of like a easy inspired slippers. I know that's super random, but I'm helping someone with that. I'm working on a lot of little projects. I'm actually working on some children's content as well, given my music background. And I have a little daughter, she's 15 months old. So I'm really enjoying writing music for her in, in a way that is empowering to her grammatically correct and so i want to create something that's high quality for 
my little one. Um, and I want her to listen to great music that teaches her something and teaches her like, uh, something valuable that she can take with her or, or just, you know, learn from. Um, so you can look out for that. Thank you so much, David, for um, sharing your stories, uh, ups and downs. I learned so much. Um, that's one thing I really love, you know, hosting um, the, the H and Powerhouse and my other podcast, which is a powerhouse, uh, just talking to amazing people going through different processes to get to the current success. So uh, forward to the content. I have a five-year-old. I totally understand like a lot of content out there are not very good or not the best way to learn certain things. So uh, definitely looking forward to grammatically correct uh, music as well. And thank you, Nicole. Um, and thank you everyone for joining. Uh, so stay tuned for our next episode.